podcast with Mo. What up and welcome to episode 90 of A Podcast with Mo. I am Mo. On this episode, we are joined by Rashid, first time appearance for him, uh, where we talk about, of course, our Patreon page, um, him joining the fraternity that we were both in, and then some memories uh, about that time period. Uh, we talk a little bit about music, because we both make some music, uh, a little bit about his job teaching ESL, uh, video game talk, just briefly, and then we do a little race talk, um, talk about white privilege, stuff like that. I actually cut quite a bit of this one. Um, there was some ramblings and stuff. Rashid has a very Kawhi Leonard uh, personality. If you've ever seen Kawhi Leonard interviewed, uh, Rashid very much is in that vein. So if that explains anything, I don't know. Anyway, thanks for checking us out. What up? And we are joined by Rashid. Hey, hey. So you got to be a little louder than that. A little bit louder than that. Yeah. I mean, that'll work. So he's coming up with those sultry, smooth voices. And then you're trying to do your low Barry Watt voice because that's just part of your whole thing. It's I your very soft, moment, tender voice. At the moment, it's like a there's a low grumble of energy, of excitement. And I'm just like, <sighs> I need to take a deep breath, perhaps. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> and definitely a lot of nerves. Now, nothing to be nervous about. Few reasons. I can cut everything. Like, if that whole intro sucked, I'll just make a like, Here's Rashid. And you'll be like, Big bundle of nerves. And I'll be all people here. So, like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, don't be nervous. If it's real bad, we'll just cut it real short, have a second person on it. It's, it's whatever. I don't know. Make it work. Um, I do need to get to the first thing I try to get to is I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash a podcast with Mo. You can be a patron for a dollar a month and get early access to the podcast or for ten dollars a month. Like my mom, Hurricane Haynes, Powwow and Dar- Marshall, the Dharma Initiative Bear. You can be a co-producer and I get you shouted out on every normal episode. So um, everyone should go do that because I would love money to buy new equipment. That would be great. That's what That'd I try to use all the money for um, is to get new equipment or on some ads. I've tried that here or there and random stuff like that. But anyway, go be a patron to my Patreon. That would be fucking dope. Mm. Let's just uh, stimulate the economy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We are the black market that can fucking hold all this up. Um, the soil. I do want you to know I said fucking so you can totally cut. Now, I don't know if you maybe you don't cuss in your day to day life, but some people wonder. I totally do it. People complain about it on the podcast, and they think I'll stop. Mm, I'll contain myself, God-fearing. But I've been like this for a long time. I mean, you've known me for quite some time, so this isn't like a new—this isn't like an act. I'm not yeah. trying to overdo it. This right. just is just the way I talk. This shit ain't new. Um, so, speaking of that, <laughs> um, I think we've known each other a lot longer than you realize. Maybe. Absolutely. I was so, thinking about that, too. What would be your first memory of you meeting me? Um, well, first to point out when I met you at the time in my life, let's see, I had, uh, experienced a a year of just change and how old was I? I mean, that was the 19th of my life. And now I've known you 10 years. That's a third of my life. See, I say I've known you longer, actually. I don't think you remember it. I met you when you were a senior in high school. 
what? I knew you wouldn't remember this. I know I knew you didn't remember this when you pledged even. And it's like even all right, so um I brought it before I'm in a fraternity, Rashid pledges fraternity. We'll get into that more in a minute. Um but even at the time I realized you didn't recognize it. So um for like six months of my life, I dated this girl who was like a really bad influence on me and I made really poor decisions. And it's like the one time in my life I don't talk about because I'm like, well, nothing good can come out of that time of my life, right? And in that time you worked with her at Polos. And because you played the guitar and I rapped. And I hadn't started recording rap music like I do now or started to right after that. She wanted us to meet, and you came over, but you were like a real goody-goody senior in high school sort of kid. No offense. And um, I remember you being like, oh, man, this is weird because I, I was smoking all kinds of pot and shit, I'm sure, because I was in college. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I met you then one day, and I was like, oh, this Rasheed guy's cool. And then whenever you pledge, I remember telling people, like, oh, I know him. He's cool. He's smart. Oh, snap. So anyway, saved me, got me in. Nah, they already wanted you in. We were all about diversity, you know, at the time. Um, so anyway, I didn't think you remember that, but yes, you pleasure fraternity. Um, Skinny, who is on most of our music podcast, he's been in all of them except one of our music podcast. Um, you were in his pledge class. So yeah. just for anyone else that knows the history or lore of the podcast, we'll there. go back. Yes, y'all go back. Um, my cousin Shad, Sean. I'm trying to think of anyone else. Yeah, was in that. we had Jonah. We had a mix. Oh, we Jonah, had some people yeah. who came in and then like sort of dropped out. That's the way it goes. And let's see. It I, My memories are like blurring because I've, I've seen some people recently and it's like, what do I know? But um, we had a very diverse group from what I remember, especially compared to um, all the Greeks on the campus, I think at the time, that's really what made me appeal to y'all. Right. Um, I do know I was told that, um, and I don't know, like this in effect, in fact, affect what, why I joined or whatever, but that the Pikes historically were the ones that would have black dudes. Cause they all, they like to have football players. I'm sure they had their good bit of, of races too, but right. Um, right. the Pikes at East central blew my mind. Like I was saying earlier, when I met y'all, I had all these like things I remember meeting uh, Isaac mm-hmm. and he came in, he had like this cut off shirt, you know, and I'm just this little muscular freshman. guy. He was so way. muscular, had on glasses. He was fresh cut, you know, and uh, I was like, this dude, he's a odd mix. He's he looks smart. He's he's big like, oh, he plays football and he's from Cali. I was like, all y'all had your own like amazement and wow to me. And I, I was pretty young. Y'all st- still, you know, right. beautiful. Wonderful yeah. And I told you, you're, I mean, you're briefly talking before this of coming in, how there are certain people you would like, uh, cause you're 18 or whatever, 19, whenever you're pledging. And then these people are like 20, 21, but they seem so much cooler. But then eventually you're like, now you're both adults. You're like, whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, at the time it's still a little different. Um, and that totally happened. I think I was totally just a bad influence on most people. Um, I was way ahead of the curve on this whole marijuana thing. Um, I was definitely the, you probably shouldn't be like him, but they let me get away with it and other people didn't. So I don't, I don't know. They enabled it. That's how I, how I pitch it. Um, Enablers, group of enablers. (laughs) Right. So when you pledge, you were almost my little in a way. Now this sounds racist and I I always know it does. So I always have to be like, I'm not a racist, but um, I only wanted black littles. Like, I don't know why, because my family, so I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Greek system, and maybe not every Greek system is like this. We have families, and uh, the family I'm in is white chocolate. And when I got into white chocolate, it was Dubsy. very small. It was almost dead. 
Um, and it was named after this white dude who could dance really well. Right, and that was the founder of White Chocolate. Right, well, I gotta dance well, and I can rap. So everyone was like, "You have to be on White Chocolate." And then I felt like, for whatever reason, that I wanted only Black Littles to just that. I just wanted my family line. That's just how it was, right? Like I don't know why, because Darkness was a a good friend of mine, and he was in White Chocolate, and I was just like, I just don't feel like the kosher notion should have black people in it. You know, maybe that's where I was at. But that was the other big family at the time. So. It was between you or skinny, but then um, is Taylor your big? Who's your big? Um, hold on. Derek. Derek? Derek Hickman, yeah. Okay. I was like, someone else wanted you, and because I was like, I'll take two. I'll take both of them. And they were yeah. like, no, you can't have them. And I remember people in the meeting being like, just because they're black, you can't have them. And I know that sounds so bad now, but and I don't know. It's just my goal. To speak to the diversity of the group, too, was um, like Derek, he's, he's Native American, right? right? He's mixed. Uh, he's probably got a, you know, like we all mix. Um, and James, I had a twin. Like I had. Oh, yeah. yeah the bowler. Yeah. Yeah. He the bowler. Right. We had a bowler in our class and he's a badass bowler. But um, he's white. You know, I think he would claim white. I think oh, yeah, he's yeah. got some native. I think. And I'm a brother. So like we had even in our little group there of uh, Crooked Antler interesting stories see yeah. my Diversity. pledge class had a rap group called pwc of me powwow and lv we called it stood for peanut butter whipped cream and chocolate and we made one song so that's out there on the internet somewhere that sounds so decadent yeah anyway uh see you do things and i think this is i don't know i'm gonna connect this with some current age political correctness bullshit um I think like a lot of things I've said is probably incorrect, right? Like politically incorrect. But um, when you're in college and it's with your friends, it's all funny and it doesn't seem to be offensive. Like, and if I've ever offended anyone, I would hope they would be like, "Hey, that one was over the line." But I, I feel pretty comfortable. I haven't. I don't know. I'm pretty cool. I don't know. I'm. Not- I think. Yeah, we all, you know, will say. I'm sure I've said so many things to get a certain kind of reaction. That's like gonna get me up in this status you know like right in my mind what whatever that status is whatever that place is absolutely but after i kind of got out of fraternity because i was like i have to graduate all right and i had a semester where i didn't get any credits the semester d squared died and i just was like you know what fuck this no offense i can't be in a fraternity and party every night and go to class now i get y'all after us shaped it up a little better like we rushed the right guys but my class and before we were fucked. So I was like, I just can't be around or whatever. We um, always rush the right guys. I mean. So I, I did graduate college. I, I mean, I think so. I think I made the right choice or whatever there. And I was still kind of around if people needed me, but I was just like, I can't go to fucking meetings and run study halls and shit. I ain't doing that anymore. Um, Unpaid labor. Right. It's <laughs> like, those motherfuckers can't do fucking homework. They can't do their homework. Right. I don't understand why I have to fucking be there. <laughs> fucking study hall was stupid. They were like, show us how to do math and i'm like this is literally what i do during the day i work here on the tutoring section of the math department come then anyway uh looking back on it if, had we been more i don't know intentional about it i guess but we we're already on that like party curve <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i came in my second year my first year of college went horribly uh not great uh i got arrested a month in kicked out of the dorms and then moved into a place so I could keep going to college because I I just was never going to move back home, right? Even if it was like 
for whatever. I was like, I just can't do it. I'm never going to do it. I hate that place. I'm never going to, this is never going to happen. And so I got really good grades though, because I'd quit smoking pot and drinking and shit. And I was like, I'm just going to care about school. And I had no cable. I had no new video games, no money. So like, I saw you could do. And then what happened was I decided to get student loans when I pledge a fraternity because I was like, well, I need money. And I'll take out these student loans. But then that was like an influx of cash. And I was like, ooh, I can buy shit. <laughs> and then I can have fun. And then when you have fun, you don't do as well in school. Maybe some people can. I couldn't. I just couldn't manage both of them. So um, eventually I made it there. And I think the memories are worth it. Absolutely. Like uh, we had some Trojan Wars victories, you know, in there. Did some other things. Um, so anyway, any who else do you – or do you have any like other great fraternity memories before we move on from this fraternity topic? Um, yeah, I have plenty of great fraternity memories that like are stuck with me. I think uh, <laughs> like that whole week, of course, when we get into that, I mean, oh, hell week, or hell week, I week. I week. Yeah. yeah. And so that's fun because I was, um, so hell week or I week, I stands for ingress week. It's the last week of pledging and powwow and myself were the ingress ahead of it. Every semester we were around. So that included yours. So your last week of pledging got to be with me and powwow. And I don't remember anything specifically where we of y'all's because about that time I had done like four or five of them. Yeah. And it was just like, I knew I was going to lose. It was a punishment for me. I didn't sleep either. Cause I had to make sure y'all stayed awake because there was rules. It was like you couldn't go to bed till two and you had to wake up at six and you couldn't talk to girls or have tobacco or <laughs> you had to be in three man lock, which meant like you were always within arms reach of two other people. And um, there was all these fucking rules. So many fun challenges from that time. That was like, gosh. And I, I really don't looking back on, I, I don't think of any of it as hazing of anything that I went through personally. Now, maybe people before me or others did. I don't know, but I know me personally, uh, I, I guess ass stories is close, but you could not do it. Mm, true. So true. Mm-hmm. that's why I've like, nothing was forced on people. And I think it was your pledge class. Um, when my little cousin Shad was snuck to OU and yes. then we had to go get him. Right. And so a sneak night entails the members still, uh, pledge. And then the rest of the pledge class has to come over or has to go find him. And, my class did the last great across the state sort of thing around. Like we went all over the fucking state. And then because Shad was my little cousin and I really liked that pledge class, we were like, let's do it fucking big for this pledge class. Like we had it. And so Shad and someone else, I don't, who I don't remember who the other person was, got taken. Uh, it's not coming to me, but I remember that mission took us to the heart of Oklahoma. That was hella fun. That was like coming back to it. Like it, I realized after being through the process, it's work. Y'all put in work to right. put all those things together. Like that was a good time. Right. So that was fun, but that was a moment I realized we were different than a uh, big university. So um, East Central, I don't know what you'd call it. We like D3 or some shit. I don't know. We're not like the smallest university, but we're like the ring right above it. Um, we don't have houses in our fraternity or anything like that. Um, but we went to OU in Norman, um, I'm sure most people are familiar with that if you're not from around Oklahoma. Uh, it's like an hour from here, hour and a half, maybe. Hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Max. And so anyway, you ought to go up there, get people. Their members wanted y'all to do some shit that their pledges do of like 
pretend you're jacking off a dick and swallowing cum and stuff, right? Oh, did and y'all have to I negotiate like, this? Well, no, I said, no, our guys don't do that. That was a negotiation. And their guys were like, no, no, it's funny. Watch this. And they would yell their guys, they'd say something, their guys would start acting like they were jacking off dicks on their face. Oh and I go, gosh. well, they're different. And I, I'll be honest. I've always been kind of pretentious. Even when I'm cool, like quote unquote, like being cool, it's like, hey, I'm pretentious about it. So I was like, we don't rush guys that want to jack off dicks on their face. You know, like that was my whole, now I'm sure half of y'all would have. Y'all would have been like, okay, whatever, I don't care. Mm -hmm. But I just was like, I didn't get the point. And I always felt like the things we did always had some point and or enough history. So like, for instance, we made y'all do the founding fathers in a certain dance move, right? Where it's like, I don't even remember them right now, but like John, Hank, and it was all because when I pledged, uh, led not led better barlow kevin barlow he made up the thing he goes muscle memory if your muscles are doing the same thing you get a better memory and i'm <laughs> like that's not what that means and it was so funny that me and Powell made every pledge class do it afterwards right now maybe that wasn't like a real point but it was entertaining and, and they, i think it was educational too it helped you you all have to memorize all this shit to get initiated so it, it all worked out yeah. but i feel like in that moment that was something that uh I didn't get the point of y'all doing that. So I was like, well, they're not going to do that. So those were moments I was like, oh, yeah, well, ours was a little different. <laughs> yeah, Rashid's doing the dance. It's all coming back. Uh, speaking of ass stories, hey, I brought this shirt. I brought this yeah, got your shirt. shirt. Um, I would love to, I don't know if, he, if I can even tell a story about this shirt, but <laughs> I thought about it. And every time I see the shirt, it's kind of naughty to me. Oh, all right. Let's do it. So we got a naughty story from Rashid about a pike shirt. I've got a pike shirt. It's got the it's got the letters real big, right? So it's kind of like because a lot of people it's like the old classic pike shirts, uh, except yeah, it's got a lot thicker letters. It's not the uh, shitty prints. It's like a little better. Every pike shirt eventually becomes a, a classic pike shirt. This is definitely a classic now. It's ten years old, I guess. But this shirt, I had to make a critical decision. I had to decide if I was going to pay $20 for a shirt or partake in something that I had imagined might be part of the experience of being in a fraternity. And sure enough, I lived up to that opportunity. And uh, now I've got a shirt and it was hella nice. <laughs> what did you have to do for the shirt? <laughs> it sounds well, like it was more than just $20. There was more. There was a lot more. There was heat and the, I'll just say it. I, I got a little spanking. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was probably called something else then. Um, but nowadays, uh, the movie that replays in my head, it's like, <laughs> like, okay, that happened to Rashid there for a moment. And it was good. Like, it's a quality. It stayed alive. Yeah. I have a lot of my fraternity shirts still. Um, I know like power gets jealous. Now, Powell could probably wear them now. He is a very thin man. He go, keeps going to the gym and shit. I hate being around him. I'm glad he moved. But I'm the exact same size that I was in college, and I have been. Like I weighed more in high school than I do now. Uh, I lost a bunch of weight after my first arrest in college because I got depressed and just quit eating. And I've never gotten up to where I was in high school. So I always, for the most part, even though I'm fat, I'm like, yeah, but I was bigger. 
So like, I'm, I'm whatever. Boom. And uh, now I have gained weight in the last year because I quit smoking cigarettes. It's been officially over a year now since I have had a cigarette. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like, I just get fat, right? So my stomach's bigger and I'm just fatter. But and I want a cigarette almost all the time. Like every day, I'm like, fuck, this sounds great. But um, anyway, I haven't. So that's the fucking win right there. Um, side tangent, I mentioned on this podcast before, I wasn't going to buy NBA 2K20 first day like I always do, but that changed. I totally did already pre-ordered it because my mom wanted to buy me something for not smoking for a year. And I was like, all right, we'll get NBA 2K20. That's how I'm doing it. So anyway, update on that shit. Um, some rewards. Right. She's like, you need something. Cause all you do is bitch and complain all the time. And I'm like, I know, uh, I don't remember what I was taking a tangent off of there. But oh, um, t-shirts. My t-shirts off there. So I still wear a lot. I wear my midday shirt all the time that Travis Haynes designed. Uh, who oh, has yes. been on here before. Hurricane. Um, and I have a couple other pack shirts that I still have in my closet. And I will wear them because when I see a young whippersnapper out there wearing his pack shirt, I almost want to say something, but I never do. I'm yeah. Like, I'm not going to say anything. Same. Same too. Uh, I'm uh, like, they don't even teach the secret handshake anymore, I don't think. So that yeah like what trickles down to us we don't you know everything's just changed yeah it's all different so would you say that the fraternity is important to you or was important for your college journey that's a good question i think um absolutely it was important um you know looking back it wasn't the most uh financial financially uh that's the word i'm looking for yeah, it wasn't uh, fucking smart. It wasn't smart. It wasn't financially smart. But, you know, and I think honestly, in a sense dues, it's kind of... Our dues were not expensive. Like, yeah. Compared to big universities and stuff, they paid way more money. But that was the problem, was they would get us poor fucks that would never think about joining a fraternity in them. And we were like, oh, fuck, we got to pay this money. So right. We OU, all the was, kids. OU was hella high, right? Like 2200 or something right. like that? Well, I would time? even say... Uh, the reason I pledged Pike, uh, I'll tell his brief story is the Sigtals were the first to rush me at a party that I rapped at. Uh, and this dude named Dave was, he was nice. He was cool and stuff, but he started bragging about how the, all their parents have these lake houses at Lake Texoma. Mm-hmm. And he just kept on and on. And my thought was like, I'll never get a one. Like, I don't, I don't, my parents are rich like this. So I was just like, I just said it's going to be me. So I just didn't even think. I was like, I would never fit in. And then the Pikes rushed. Travis actually was the one who mainly rushed me. And I was like, oh, these guys all seem cool and down to earth. And yeah, I'll, I'll hang out with them. And then I've said this plenty of times. If I would have known the Fatals existed, I would have went Fatal. I just would have. But I didn't know they were even a fucking thing until I was already pledging Pike. And then we had this dude, Sunshine, who became a Fatal, but he, he was trying to become a Pike and they wouldn't have him. And so then he went five tall. And then that's the only person I knew was that guy. Right. And then eventually I became good friends with a few five talls where I was like, Oh man, if I would have known you, I probably would have pledged, you know? So five talls are dope. Um, they were like, pledge class was cool too. Right. So they were cool anyway. That was like my experience. So I won't say like our fraternity, when we're saying dues were expensive, it wasn't like fucking rich kid club or whatever. It wasn't even that expensive, but it, there seemed to be a lot that came with like you started spending all your fucking extra money on party shit, you know, party yeah. goods. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I probably didn't spend too much money on that, but aside from that, I think, um, you know, I was just going out more, you know, that, right. that other scholarship money, you know, all that stuff. I was just not in the right place with money, but I learned a lot 
you know, meeting y'all, like I was immersed in a diverse group of folks. I mean, y'all Honestly, I wouldn't all have from friends. ADA. Like, I'll be real honest. Like, people were like, fucking bone your friends. And here's the thing is, I would have powwow because I knew him before he came to college here, right? I think part of the reason he came here is he knew I was here. And so we would have been friends regardless, right? And that, but that would have been it. I, I, I just didn't like, and this dude, Anthony, um, was my neighbor. So I happened to meet him and we were friendly because he was my neighbor, but he eventually pledged back and like, you know, became more of a friend through that. So a lot of the people I talk to now that are my friends, um, were through the fraternity that came through the time I was, and it was just all coincidence. It wasn't like I fucking like really, it's not like we would have been friends if we were strangers in that, but we had to fucking spend time together and guess what? Now we're friends. So fucking deal with it. And if I need something, I'll fucking call you or something. Like, I don't know. Exactly. It's just, it is what it is. Um, I think it all catches a bad rap. But for me, like, I'm super introverted. I ain't meet new people, you know, or any of that shit. Uh, I mean, the way I met my wife was I lived in this apartment. J-Mac met through the fraternity because um, he's my fraternity brother of mine. He wanted to talk to a friend of my wife's. And then my wife and her friend were sitting outside their apartment. I pulled over. J-Mac went and talked to him. They thought I was rude because I wouldn't get out of the car and say anything. But really, I was uh, – I just – I'm shy. Like, I ain't going to do that shit. And so that intrigued my wife enough to come over to my apartment and knock on my door like the next day. And that's how I met her. So if I would have never pledged, I probably would have never, that never would have happened. Right. So, um, that's really cool. All happenstance and all I get, but, uh, anyway, I think it's an overall good thing. I think it, I have thought in my life at times like, Oh, it was a waste of time, waste of money. I shouldn't have done this, that maybe some things that I'd take back, like, I had a whole fucking semester where I didn't do anything. You know, I got no credit. So my first semester was terrible. After that, that was a turning point. <laughs> and quite possibly, I mean, maybe that needed to happen too. Right. A lot of play. You'll see a lot of pledges have really bad grades. Like they, it is, uh, I, I like these schools that make you have to wait. Like my grades didn't suffer when I pledged because I, I was already my second year of being in college. But when someone's brand new to college, it's like, all right, join a fraternity. <laughs> You've got to be here every night this week at these things. And these fuckers are like, OK, fuck homework. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, I'm going to hang out with these guys real quick. I got so some shit to him. It is a thing that happens. <laughs> um, All right, so if you have any questions, suggestions, or corrections, please email us at a podcast with Mo. That is a p o d c a s t w i t h m o at gmail.com. Perfect. Boom. Something else that I think is important about you, besides our connection to the fraternity, um, is music. We both make some music. Like I said, the first time I met you that you don't remember is through this uh, one girl you worked with, Apollos, and she liked you because you played guitar, and she was like, he needs to come over and show you his guitar, and y'all can make a song together. And I was like, I was, I could have never done that at that time, right? But uh, we both make music. Me, me neither, probably. Right. <laughs> uh, you When you came in here, had my MIDI keyboard set up, showed you some beats, you know, so uh, that's yes. what I do these days. But what do you do in the Lovely music beats. world? I like to... play a guitar really hard in my spare time uh wail out um any kind of feelings i have but no um i'll also i'll play some shows around town right um i just got back from houston but before then i was playing um uh, a few shows around town just playing some covers some 
some, uh, some original songs. Um, yeah. Anything that vibes to me really. Right. But in the last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of like music appreciation, I guess, not so much outward, um, like giving, but just like, just kind of taking in and seeing what's out there. But there's a lot of good stuff in Houston that just opened up, opened up my mind. So, but yeah, I've been watching all of your beats there on right. Instagram, man. Um, that's a big challenge. It's a big commitment. Yeah. I feel like I've wasted a lot of it. Um, if I had to be real honest, like I made my hundred beat challenge, which if you've listened to this podcast forever, you would remember me used to bitch about making all those beats all the time. Put them three beats a week. I'm just over the halfway point of all the ones that are being put up. You know, it's like all these ones going up now. I've made months and months ago, right? I haven't. All my new ones I've made, honestly, since the hundred beat challenge, have all went to my new albums. Yes, like I haven't set any aside to sell. It's a real progression, really. If 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 I could study it in in better terms, but it's a really, uh, it's been cool to see like. You're making some hella good bangers, man. Like right. there's, and at the moment, like I said, I feel like I'm wasting in the sense of like I don't have the quite the rap promo. I'm not on Twitter every day har- harassing rappers to check it out, and I know like because that sounds miserable. Like I would hate doing that. I've been the rapper getting fucking in an instant message like, oh, this producer wants to fuck with me, and they're like, they'll go buy it. So I want to be upfront. Like I want people to go buy my beats and go check out my beat store. I don't want to harass anyone, you know, like if you want them, that's awesome. You know, and here's my beat story. That's, I understand it's probably not a realistic way to ever do it, uh, but that's what I'm trying. And I feel like I'm wasting it in that sense of like, I am putting up all these beats, but I'm not promoting it as much as people I see sharing beats, put up one beat every two weeks. And they just share the fuck out of it for two weeks. Right. I'm putting up three beats a week and I'm like, check it out. <laughs> Look at that one. Yeah. <laughs> I hope y'all like it. So uh, I, I think it's a cool thing I'm doing, but I don't think it's working. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Now, uh, to be frank, now I when I saw that you were doing this, I was like, okay. I read, you know, what was going on. Now the marketing, it's been consistent. It, can I break it down? I should. Yeah, ask. sure, sure. Yeah. So at first, I was kind of scrolling, but then I was like, okay, I got some time. Let me check this out. And I have these headphones, you know, so I'll listen to your beats. There were some that I'd pass over and be like, hmm, okay, and I I could um, see, I could kind of vibe with what you had going on in the earlier stuff because it was that kind of raw you know it's almost like if i could uh, imagine this journey you're going on here you're kind of stumbling in the beginning you're making some steps it's like a a little uh fawn is that what you know yeah yeah bambi right baby deer baby deer now the beats that i'm listening to now i'm just like what's he got next you know what's he playing around with next right you know uh, i don't mean to sound like a fan but maybe i sort of am right now it's cool with me i need more <laughs> i have skinny he's a fan of my beats and now you so yes um, absolutely That's speaking cool. of which uh the plan is at the moment for you to be on the music spinoff 21 so i'm just waiting to get enough songs i put out the word on 20 that there's no more guarantee it's every two weeks. It's just whenever we get enough songs, I'm not going to rush them. Um, so whenever that is, I'll let you know. So if you want to come back and be on Music Spinoff 21, uh, it gets wild. Skinny gets crazy. We're a lot less sober than we are now. And anyway, that's just going to sneak peek there for whenever that fucking happens. Um, but yes, the beats. I do think I've developed... I don't know my own sounds quite the right word, but I think I'm decent at making melodies. I'm, I'm very limited in my knowledge of playing the piano 
and I take that little bit I have and do what I can. And so because of that, my beats all have a certain similar sound, but it's because of my limitations, right? Like if I could do everything, I'd probably make it even, I don't know. So we're going to see what happens. I'm working real hard on this album. I do need to make more beats to sell. Um, my thought, honestly, on your music, because I know you do perform around here, and that's I've never performed live. That's just not anything I've ever done. Uh, I'm terrified to ever do that. Um, not saying I won't ever, maybe someday, but your stuff's not normally online, correct? Or is it? I've got some stuff online. Um, like what I was going to get at long way is I make beats, and you can sing and do all that stuff. Right. And I know you also play the guitar, so uh, I could give make you on my – I have an imaginary record label. Right. So when you have a, a distributor that puts your stuff on Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff, you got to put a record label. And so like I made one up. So you could be Good. on my record label if you would like, you know, and I'll help produce your shit and we could get you out there. We're saying it's called Resin Bowl Records and the name alone is so fucking awesome that I feel like I need more people on it. So anyway. Let's chat more about that. All right. Anyway. Uh, and yeah, we can uh if you need to use I mean my equipment's not great, but uh, we can like hook a guitar up into that audio interface there if it's electric i think right and honestly if you made some guitar loops that i could just steal i would make beats on guitar loops all day i do it with strong maurice and then uh any others that i can find that i feel like i could steal without anyone suing me i'm like oh that would be fun i showed you one earlier of a weird one that i like but it's its own thing right i don't think it's really rap music it's lovely it's i think uh You've got, you've definitely got my ear. This was quite a treat. Uh, uh, y'all don't know, but I, I got a, a moment to, to really get deep into some of these beats, and uh, it's freaking lovely. Yeah, would, we I hung out to... quite a while before we recorded here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some music. <laughs> um, I was like, we'll check out this. The one. Sentences were coming out a lot better, I think, and I was saying absolutely a lot less. Right. Well, as soon as the microphone goes on, people get weird. I mean, I do too. I'm, I'm different as well. But it's really funny to me how. Almost everyone I've had on this podcast, I think Powell is probably the only one because he's used to it. And even him, in a way, uh, as soon as the microphone goes off, someone wants to start talking about some shit that would have been great to have talked about <laughs> on the podcast. Like, Snappy's on all the time and on him, but there's plenty of times I stop and Ravi's like, So, what'd you think about? And I'm like, Why did we wait till then? <laughs> and it happens with almost everyone. They always are like, They save that thing. That I guess they didn't want to bring it up. I don't know. So bring up whatever. Um, I know you want to talk about plants. I don't have enough work there, but you do have a cool job. So what's your cool job in case anyone out there? I have a friend in Pittsburgh right now listening to this who needs a job. Yeah. So I don't know if he's qualified for this. But anyway, what's your cool job? Um, aside from music, when I'm, you know, when I'm not playing the shows, I I do this thing that kind of works like therapy. I teach online. Um, I teach, uh, um, ESL right. and it's, it's really dope. It's been fun. So for anyone who is unaware or ignorant, um, that's English as a second language is what I believe what that stands for. That's right. And, uh, so you're basically teaching like Chinese kids how to speak American English, right? There's a, a range of companies out there. My particular company's clients are mostly Chinese. Um, there's so much like, yeah, you, you could delve in deep. It's a big, it's a growing industry right now. They want to watch our Netflix shows and they need to understand it. Damn it. Absolutely. They want our <laughs> culture and they're willing to pay us. The Chinese elite are, um, 
yeah, trying to get that culture. And their kids are just so bright. I, I freaking love it. Um, it's kind of a trip to like see some of these youngsters who are like, I've had students as young as three who impress the hell out of me. Like, how are these kids speaking two languages at three years old? Right. You know, using because, you know, we got these dumb fucking eight year olds over here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, you're, again, you're seeing like the very elite. I'm sure that people, a very small percentage of people could afford it in that country. So you're comparing they're that mid- to like everyone in America and your brain, you know, but well, their middle class looks a little differently. And I think, um, it is growing, is reaching. Though. It is. Growing. It's super growing. They've got a, I always get very interested of the Chinese economy because my whole life people call them communists. And I'm like, I get what you're saying. They were founded on that, but they were, it was like their base build uh, or chassis, if you will, was of communism, but literally every part they put on after that show was fucking capitalism. They have a capitalist world. It's like, it's (laughs) sure, but it's fucking capitalism. Well, capitalism is um, an economic system. Whereas I think communism isn't it more of a governmental political? political right. Yeah. So um, they have some socialist programs. Oh, yeah. Of course they have socialist programs there too. They're a mixed economy. Something was just announced. I know you also like video games. Uh, something was just announced where they're basically funding video game developers to just make shit. And they're basically trying to hit on like people don't know us. Tetris was made in the Soviet Union. I did and, not then, know that. It was, and then the Soviet Union licenses it out to all these video game companies because it was a property of the soviet union because you can't create shit you know when you were one of the we or whatever so i think china's trying to do some shit like well if it's government funding the chinese government will own it and then we could sell so just i don't know i should get curious i know it's super tangent but anyway the way the world is <laughs> i didn't know that yeah I, I like video games i haven't played a whole lot lately um but i have a deep appreciation for them so like sometimes i will just watch them watch other people play them on youtube um but yeah i've been watching like some racing lately some racing commentary oh, every now right. and then yeah in between news and shit like that yeah see i uh i haven't ever gotten to really be able to watch people play games for whatever reason I mean, um if you can play them play them <laughs> right exactly um yeah if i was in a position where i couldn't play them like my ps4 i'm trying to make it last till the ps5 but when i got it day one it sounds like a jet engine it's the other day i had a disc in it and it just keeps going like it's trying to eject or not or and i'm like i'm not doing anything it's just sitting there so this isn't good Um, so i took the disc out while i'm not using it and i was like i guess that's what i have to do now to pamper this old machine um but trip i like i love video games so this last couple weeks i've really been trying to play them um i have been trying to play through bully the old ps2 game i am 70 percent of the way through the game it's uh, if anyone's unfamiliar, it's Grand Theft Auto set in a charter school. So it's like a little nearby town in a charter school. So it's not like as big as Grand Theft Auto, but it's the same uh, premise. You still bicycles and shit and, you know, give people wedgies. Um, it's like a school version of fucking Grand Theft Auto. It's great. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm officially further in it than I ever was as a kid. Like I never beat it as a kid. So I've gotten to because I, I got to the mission. I was like, oh, yeah, this is that fucking mission. I couldn't be. And I beat it first try. And I was like, fuck these fuck this game i'm you're fucking advanced. god you're advanced so, uh, right yes and i recently went back in platinum dark cloud uh old ps2 game so like i've been really enjoying going back and playing ps2 era games lately for some reason but like i mentioned earlier i'm going i pre-ordered 
uh, NBA 2K20. If anyone's listening to this and you're even thinking about it, here's what you do. On, I think, the Switch, PS4, and Xbox, all of them, uh, there's the NBA 2K20 demo. And it lets you go ahead and do a My Player creation where you create your My Player. You can make up to six of them and try different builds and then play a game with them and then see if you like them. And then whenever you get the real game, you can import the guy you made on this game. So, like, I kind of customized a couple guys. I was like, oh, this is how I want my guy to play like. So, pretty fucking fun. So, anyway, pre-order that game, ready to play that. That will consume probably most of my video game playing time for the rest of the year, if I had to guess. But I also had I haven't played a sports game since last year's NBA 2K19, 2K19 and I normally play a few sports games because I was the weird kid. Like, I enjoyed RPGs and sports games. Like, I like them all. Like, I'm not, like, I grew up with, like, not very many people who liked video games, and my only friends that liked them liked sports games. So that's what we played when I went to friends' house, and so therefore I'm totally fine playing those. I enjoy it. But I do, I meet people who are like, you play fucking Madden? I only play the, this game. I'm like, well, okay, you're just as fucking, you're just like the other group of people. You're not one to be like, man. <laughs> Open your gamer doors. Exactly. Fucking, <laughs> you know, be woke in here. Uh, so anyway, that's where I'm at in video game world. Um, the last games I was playing were actually on the phone. And hell yeah. That I have one fun. I'm playing right now that's fucking loving it. What are you? Two, are you actually. Uh, real quick to touch on the NBA 2K thing. One thing you can do once you make uh, your account through that demo, um, and you can do this without at all playing the console game, um, you can download the My NBA 2K. 2k20 app and it has a face scan so it'll scan your face to put in the game which is amazing and then they have a card mode where like you collect cards and you play this card game based on nba players and like five years ago because they do the same game every year but just for the new game i got obsessed with this game and like i put in hours and hours and hours so now i'll play it a little bit but i can never get as obsessed as i once was uh, the game I'm obsessed with currently is Plants vs. Zombie 3 Alpha. It's the Alpha build. They're going to wipe all my data. I know it. I mean, they said they are. And I still love the game. Like, I, I don't know if anyone ever played Plants vs. Zombie 1 or 2 back in the day, but they were great mobile games. And this one just seems to really be even better. I don't know. They've really, they've really nailed it to where every day I'm like, I'm just ready for this thing to be out so I can not worry about them wiping my shit. It seems like anytime I play a game, I have to like, I kind of get into it like, like I'm on a drug or something that I'm right. experiencing for the first time. It's like, whoa, the, why would the doctor prescribe me this? Or You know what I mean? Like, so uh, the last game that I was really into, it's been probably a year, maybe. Um, shoot, I can't remember. It's been a minute. A lot of stuff has happened since then. But uh, it was this tennis game. I just... I freaking love ping pong. Right. So I wanted to kind of get that fixed. So I was playing this tennis game on an old Android phone and uh, it was so immersive. Like you could get all these player cards and stuff and the more player cards you got, you would get, um, you would advance the players and you could play online. It had all these different game modes. It was a deep game for um, uh, the mobile right. uh, uh, platform. And I hadn't played very many games like up to that point. I had just like gotten back into games like after a couple of years, I think. Right. So um, getting back to that was like opened my mind. You know, the game has cha- the games have changed. Like right. things are addictive. It's so hard to in. find now. Um, but one of the best ping pong games ever 
Um, on PlayStation 3, they had this game called Sports Championship, and it went with the PlayStation I, which was like uh, their version of the Wii. So you know how the Wii had the Wii controller? Yeah. Like PlayStation combated that with the PlayStation I, and they have a, a similar version now as well. Um, now it's like a VR unit, right? Like it's upgraded that much. And I want it really bad. If they put out the Sports Championship game on VR, I would save my money to buy a VR unit to play it. Because there was a ping pong mode where, like, you know, you had a paddle in your hand. You had to, like, really do it. And I'm, yes. like, sweating my ass off because I had a fucking platinum the ping pong. You got to get all the trophies and shit. And I did it. What I, me and Powell split it. He took half the games. I took half. But I called ping pong. And then Boom. play the fuck out of ping pong. We also had bocce ball, which I didn't even know what the fuck bocce ball was till this game. And now I'm like, it's the best. It's the best. It's like horseshoes, but for non-country people. Um so, like, there's a ball, like a lead ball, and you throw that somewhere in the bocce ball course. Bocce ball courses can be fucking anything, according to this game. And then you each have four balls, and whoever can get it cl- closest to that. It's like curling. It's like curling without the ass. Huh. Except there being a center, it's like the, there's a ball that is, that's what you, you can throw it anywhere, and that's what you're trying to get close to. Okay. Anyway, bocce ball is great. Um, I also had uh, Frisbee golf was it one of the games. So you fucking held because uh, the PlayStation controller had a trigger. So when you, the way you threw it, it was like you were throwing a you Frisbee. You release it and stuff? And it was so good. Like, it oh, felt shit. so good. And I always think if they just redo that game on PlayStation VR, I will probably buy a PlayStation VR. I already want a PlayStation VR. I tell my wife all the time, like, hey, they just put No Man's Sky, just got VR support where I could fly a spaceship in space, but in VR. Right. That'd be cool, anywhere. right? And then she normally heads me back with, you know how you don't pay attention now without something on your fucking face? <laughs> and I'm like, right, right. <laughs> um, honestly, and since I've started making music, I do not play mu- play video games like I used to. Like, mm. I used to just eat up and eat up games, right? And I still buy games now. Like, I'll get to this, and I don't. But it's because, like, I just, I mean, I probably spend, I don't know, 20 hours a week fucking around with music. And, like, that amount seemed like a lot, but I have, like, a fucking job. You know, and then I yeah. also have a podcast. So I do too much to like be able to enjoy video games. And I know that's not like a real problem. I mean, it's probably a good uh, good thing, I guess. But you can anyway. always come back. You can um, always come back. All right. I had one more random topic for you. Okay. And then we'll see. Uh, I think we'll probably get after that. Um, I think we had very opposite, uh, probably upbringings in a way. And, I don't want to speak for you, but like, for instance, me, I definitely got called a wigger a lot growing up because I grew up in a small uh, town and I wore fitted hats as soon as I learned those were a thing. Like once I learned a fitted hat exists, I wanted nothing else but fitted hats because it was great. I have a big fucking head and it's just awesome. Right. Yeah. And um, I've loved rap music since I was like four or five. Um I don't know if I'd made this joke on the podcast or just to you earlier, but I always like have to, I do this to everyone and I know it's like the, you shouldn't have to, cause if you're not racist, who cares? But I'm like, I'm always like, dude, I fucking loved Fox growing up. Like I watched Martin and then living color and fucking living single and all I like that. I just loved it all. Right. So when people are like cultural appropriation, I'm like, fuck you, man. I've fucking been bumping goddamn little Wayne since 1999. I didn't get on this shit on fucking lollipop. You know, I'm like, like I get annoyed now that rap's so popular because I'm like, no, 
fuck y'all. All y'all want kids just get to listen to rap. Like it ain't no fucking thing. And I got fucking got told once a week that you can't spill crap without rap. I got told that shit all the time growing up. Like that was just a thing, right? And then, like I said, people would call me a wigger because I wore baggy clothes because I was fat. And that's what you did. We all wore fucking Jinkos. I wasn't the only one. I just happened to like rap music. So it was I, a certain I, form. It fit, you know. Right. And and you, I think, are like an opposite coin where I at least think, and I don't want to speak for you. So if this didn't happen, I could be out of line. I think a lot of people probably tell you like you act white, like quit right. acting white. I grew up definitely when I was getting into like junior high uh, in high school, I heard that a lot. And um, at the time I was just kind of like, <laughs> you know, smile. So yeah, that, that, um, that had a profound effect on me like now it's hard for me to even agree with that notion it's so weird but looking back i could see why rashid kind of clung to that in a sense there right. was one time where i was like and he dated a white girl i dated a white girl <laughs> i date white women um <laughs> uh it's like the only place you're allowed to be racist anymore i've brought up in the podcast where but people are super allowed to be racist it's about their dating preferences I, I I'm not saying you are I'm not saying like you're saying all other women are off the table, but people could say, oh, I, I only date white girls and no one's like racist. They'll be like, oh, that's just what we use. I couldn't. I think it had something to do with like proximity and the kinds of right. people that came my way. They were like showing me attention that I think I wanted. And honestly, I, like, I can't hate like <laughs> I, I don't I don't know your parent situation, so I don't I don't want to presume. But like my mom has blonde hair and I've never in my life liked blonde haired women. I just was not my thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I always assumed it's because I won't have blonde hair. Now I'm sure I'm again like every once in a while, you know, like there's a Lizzie McGuire that you're like, oh, Hillary Duff's kind of hot, but overall, <laughs> like blonde just aren't like you know, I'm not it's not a thing I'm I'm into. Um, so I could see if someone's like, no, my mom was black, and I'm not into black women because it reminds me of my mom. I could totally buy that, but that's like. I just noticed that you know, across the board, some people be like, oh, only date Asian women. Like there could be white guys that only date Asian women, and everyone's like, okay, but it's like that's fucking. Is that not anyway? It's something I think about. There's um, some internalized like stuff to work through on those things. I've I've processed some of this before, where uh, like you know I had to think. So for those who don't know, I went to school in this area, and it's predominantly white. Where I'm yeah, at. yeah. It's either We're white, in Oklahoma. Native. It's a very white place. There's not a whole lot of people who look like me, so. Um, getting the East Central, even though there's a lot of white folks there too, there were there was a lot more color. You, you know, went to sports. Bing, is that right? Went to Bing. Okay, thought yeah, so. Yeah, it's out there now. People know. Oh, uh, <laughs> look me up. No. Uh, so getting getting uh, around like straight up, I guess. Yeah, from Bing. Uh, uh, a lot of things changed for me my freshman year. Right. Sex changed life. everything. <laughs> but no, there's um, the stories around that. I think uh, really it's all from just how we're raised, what we really think is good too. Like food is good. We know good food. There's certain things in culture that we want to gravitate to. You know, I'm sure there's good reason why you prefer to hang out with people of color versus white people. You know, so I was poor, poor white, hanging out with exactly. So the socio economic uh, situation. Um, I was I don't know why I was trying to say conclusion. The situation 
leads itself to to some of those things happening. And I think as someone who is trying to be more aware of these things and, and process these things and, and decide what I will say, okay, this person's an ally or what I will say no to, um, it's been quite a journey just for me as, as a brother. Like, and I think this is something that you've taken on early, you know, as people were calling you this, like right. you could have been poor and white and still, you know, you could have been on the other side. Well, for of, sure. For sure. You know, and I'd say uh, the two things for me, I, I'm really not joking. Like I fucking loved in living color at four years old. Like I went around hitting people with socks, tell them homie don't play that at four years old. Like, <laughs> I loved it. And it was because I had an aunt and uncle or yeah, an aunt and uncle who were teenagers still in high school and they would watch it with me. Right. And like, it was so funny to them. So there was that. And then uh, my best friend when I was three and four years old was this kid that lived in the low income housing next to me uh, named Zach, who I'm still friends with today. And he's a half black dude. He has blonde hair, but he's black. He's got a cool thing going on, but his dad was also very black. And I remember in first grade, uh, this one kid, a grade ahead of me and call this other kid the n-word and i'd never heard it before and i came home and asked my mom and my mom was like born in california so just i wasn't raised in a house of knowing even that that was a word right and so she explained oh well that's what they sometimes call black people and i was like what the fuck's a black person i don't <laughs> i don't even get it Paradigm and then she shift. goes you know your friend zach and i go yeah she goes you know his dad jerry and i said yeah she goes well some people will call him black I go, oh, because he's dark. I got you. And I just went about my day. Never thought about it again. Right? And, of course, throughout life, you, you fucking get hit with it all the time. So, like, you're very aware of it and shit. Um, but it was just – I think it was between that. of I got defensive that day. of Like, I got mad that someone would call someone that. And I didn't even know what it was. But I was like, what does it matter? Like, if they that call someone mixed black? with I fucking loved Martin and In Living Color and Singled Out. And, like, I just was like – and I liked rap music. And I was like, why? I don't – black people seem to be cool. To me, I don't understand why you hate. But then, like, I remember being in third grade talking to one of my best friends who was a white dude who was like, I have to marry a white girl in third grade. And I was like, what? And being so confused. And even then being like, I'll marry any girl who likes me because, you know, I was a little chubby kid. I was like, like, any girl shows me interest. But he was like, nope. My dad told me, you know, and it was like, oh, like my parents just didn't do that. Like, I think the weird part about it for me was like growing up. Um, and I, I, I don't remember that exact time, uh, like the first time I was called black. Right. But when I, when someone referred to me as black or when I had to fill it out on a card, I would always remember what my mom told me. And she always said, Rashid, you're brown. And I didn't know what that meant exactly, but I knew that I had to tell the world that I was something that I didn't really truly feel that I was. And other people around me had to do this too. And at the time, I didn't talk to other kids about this. Like, hey, did you know, like, you're black? Like, how do you feel about that? Of course, right. And have conversations like that. But um, it's complicated now. We, did, we didn't really know how to talk about those things. And like you, you know, you, I wonder what your experience was the first time you found out you were white. You know what I mean? Right. And to me, it's the same way as like being straight. It's not something you really find out. It's just something right. you are. Like, you're like. Right. No one ever put me down for being who I am. I know I fucking got fired from a grocery, fired slash quit a grocery store because I refused to follow the black people around the store that were going to steal. And I was like, no, they're not. You can't fucking make me 
are you fucking serious? Like it was one of those, it's like I've had my my moments of being like, fuck you and your racist thoughts, right? They didn't fucking do me any favors. But you I understand that's not close. I've gotten fucking arrested and got 10 days in jail when people that were black got arrested for the same thing, get two years in jail. So like I'm not oblivious uh to my white privilege. And this is super random, but I thought of this earlier this week. Um white privilege is brought up a lot, right? And it's like your privilege, your privilege. And I, I totally under like I get it. But it seems to me everyone's always like, get rid of the privilege. But I'm like, no, I think the goal should be everyone gets the privilege. Like, I don't think everyone, when you walk into a store, should be followed around, right? Like, I get the white privilege of not being thought of being a thief, you know, going into a store. I think every person should have that privilege, right? But everyone talks about, like, quit treating white people special. I'm like, no, they should just treat everyone special. So does that make sense? Maybe I'm. Absolutely. Thinking of it different anyway. <laughs> um there's you know, we need we need some serious equity in into um life to really grow from all this pain that we have every day. But I think when we talk about privilege, I, I like to think of it as like flapjacks. So we have flapjacks of privilege. Even though I'm brown skin, I'm black, um, and experience the world differently through through this because of this skin, I also have a male privilege. Like there's like a tear, right? You know, and I'm not, um, probably not the best well read up on this subject, but we're no experts here. Right? Yeah. Um, no experts, <laughs> but I have my male privilege, but I am black. And so I realize though, it's hard to like, I'm in this zone, right? Like it's hard for me to shift certain empathies outside of that. I like to think of myself as an empath. Right. And so I can't really relate to a woman of color because she's a woman. You know, she's got the deepest oppression. White women, they have a flap, you know, a flapjack, flapjack of this white privilege, but they're still women in the homes, you know, and we still think about women in certain ways, even as, um, as close as, you know, some men who consider themselves feminists to be. You know, there's probably going to be that just that little bit. And I don't know. I'm still trying to get there. You right. know, we can't truly well, feel. What again, the I think feels. a lot of this comes to how uh, you're raised. Like in my household growing up, my oh, mom absolutely. wore the pants in the family. And so I do not at all have any problem with a woman being a boss or a woman, like I just don't. Like, it's totally fine with me. But there are places where guys are like, no, it's weird. Woman calling the shots, you know, and I'm mm. like, what? My mom would tell my dad to shut up. <laughs> like she, like, I don't, not really. You know what I mean? Like my mom just made the decisions and stuff in the house. So yeah, that's not odd to me either. But you know, to some strong people, women it is. in the home. Like I was effect. told, like uh, you know, it's a fifty fifty thing, and that's how it. Like in the modern world, fifty fifty man and woman. That's how it is. Like growing up, that's how I believed or whatever. Um, um. All right, I think when you get out of here, I feel like it's been a long time. I've probably got to cut some shit, but we'll try to get you maybe on the internet, friends, if you want to sing a hook or something. I don't fucking know what you want to do these days. I don't I have no idea, but we could get you on this internet, friends album. So I'm just saying. We could talk about that. We could talk about that. We'll uh, see. Remember my remember my my uh, my stutters and my my past <laughs> of oppressed peoples. Um, I do like to get paid, of course. I'm open for private gigs. Yeah, so if anyone <laughs> wants to sign uh, Rashid up here, um, you're around this area, he will come sing at your party or something. Bow, bow. Yeah, we so can throw a party go. too. Um, and I'll just show you, I guess I just need to show you how to get on Spotify and how to sell your music. I can be your guru or your guide in this if, you, if you're trying to. 
um, I've went over, went through it the last year. So I'm, it's fresh on my mind how to do it all. Oh, I'm going to be taking notes. All right, man. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll see if we'll have you back or if the people hate you. Thank you for having me. All right. Peace, man. Peace. <laughs>